This is the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. You came to this life with a purpose and a soul level mission. You were given gifts and unique abilities to achieve that purpose. But somewhere, other people told you that you needed to be someone else and do something different. You lost your magic. Hello, I'm spiritual life and business coach, Julian Crossenhill, and I help people rediscover the deep magic of being who you are and then using that magic to change the world around you. Through this podcast, I share tools, tips, and inspiring stories for getting in touch with that magic once more and discovering the possibilities for creating change wherever you desire. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill, and it's been a little while since I've recorded an episode. I kind of took a little sabbatical to do some work on my business and tweak my message a little bit. I think it's important as a spiritual entrepreneur that we always sort of realign our messaging with where we're going with our own spiritual growth and, and what we're doing. And so I've taken some time away to sort of tweak my message, rewrite some of my website copy, and just get really clear on my soul's mission and what I want to do. I'm also all about authenticity. And I made a rookie mistake in my business early and kind of left, like segmented my business based on my different interests, because as a manifesting generator, I have many. And I feel like that has been a mistake. And so I really, you're going to see a lot more of the whole me rather than just a small segment of me in this podcast and in the ways that I show up in my business across all of my brands. So I'm going to bring the queer spirituality in here, even though I have a dedicated website, you're going to see more witchy stuff, because that's really where my spirituality came from, is, you know, from the witchcraft and pagan traditions. So I'm going to be bringing more of that in. And just really, instead of trying to segment myself and leave certain parts out that people might not be interested in, I'm just going to be me. And so you're going to get all of it. So to kick off the sort of the reboot of my podcast here, I've got a very special guest who's a, who's a good personal friend of mine and a, honestly an inspiration. So Maria Leggett is a spiritualist minister and medium, teacher and spiritual guide. She's the host of the WTF Spirit podcast. And she also has her own radio show on A1R Psychic Radio on Wednesday nights at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome to the show, Maria. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Julian. Please don't call me Maria. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in her business, she goes by Maria, but I've always known her as Shelly. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, Shelly, um, you do a lot. Did I leave anything out? <laughs> Um, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Just because, you know, your intro, I, I am fully in alignment with what was on your intro. Spirit has, you know, just adjusted my business so much from where I first started. And I, I just keep going. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Please. <laughs> okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And I just keep moving because, you know, and, and I have some great followers who've been following me for like the last four and five years. And they're like, oh my God, Shelly, you've changed so much. And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, it's just, it's, I think it's part of the authenticity that you were talking about, right? It's just that we can start out one thing and it's okay for us to change, right? Give yourself grace. And I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, it's not, I wouldn't say that they're mistakes. I would look at them as a growing phase. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I think, I think when people are new as spiritual entrepreneurs, they're not necessarily business people because they haven't been in business before. So they see other people doing things in business or they think they have to show up a certain way because it's business. And so they try to, you know, I've seen lots of bad website copy that talks about we, and I'm like, you're a solopreneur. Is there a mouse in your pocket? And you, because they're used to reading corporate websites that talk yes. about we, like the whole company. And so solopreneurs try to put on this like business image or appear larger than they are. And it's not authentic. And the real magic, the thing that brings people to work with us is us. It's who we are. And yeah. so i you know, I, when I coach business clients all the time, I read their, their copy or we talk about their business and I'm like, yeah, but where are you in the business? Like bring you into the business. So I agree yeah. with that because that's exactly how I start when I started my website forever ago. Cause it's again, made multiple iterations, but I, I started out doing the same thing. We, 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 and I'm sitting here and I'm like, what do I have? Like a, a, a you know, my dad used to say a turd in my pocket, but mouse in the pocket, same thing. Right. <laughs> And I'm yeah. like, I, no, it is just me. And so it became really difficult because I came from a poor corporate background, right? I spent over 30 years in a corporate background. And if you wanted to talk to me and ask me, okay, how does this software run? How do you write this crystal report? How do you do these things? I could give you word and verse. I can write a technical manual for this one software that would give anybody the, in fact, I did write one that would give anybody the ability to step in and know nothing about the software. You'd have to know something about printing, but you wouldn't know the software. And, but stepping into this, <laughs> doing this by myself, oh my God. And, you know, I say this to people all the time. I don't know how anyone can be a solopreneur without having technical skills. I just, I don't because uh -huh. I don't have the budget right now to have somebody to do, you know, a website manager and to do a social media content. It's all me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge learning curve to this. And I think people Absolutely. don't realize that because, you know, we all make it look easy, right? Like I see your posts and your social media and you make it look easy. You make it look like you're a pro. And I think people don't realize that. And they expect when they first start their business to show up perfectly, to do everything perfectly. And yeah. we're not perfect. We're not perfect people. And there is a huge learning curve because, you know, I've never, I've been a software engineer. I've been really on the, the tech and product side of the house, for, you know, the corporate house forever. And so learning to market and write copy and hone my message is something that I've had to learn in my business and it was new to me when I started. So, and the idea of figuring out your target audience and doing market research, that was all new to me. And I had to learn all of that. Um, and I think people don't realize the complexity of what we do as spiritual entrepreneurs. And, you know, I wish that I could just show up for my clients and do, do the stuff that I really like doing and, and not do the rest. Um, because it, it's not really what we signed up for, but it, it kind of comes with the comes with the territory, right? 
It does. And nobody gives you, nobody gives you this great big sign or this playbook that says, by the way, when you go to do your own business, you have to know how to handle your own accounting, how to do all your own marketing, how to run your own website, how to build all your own social media content. And not only do you have to build your content, but then you have to go on Instagram and you have to respond to other people's stuff and not just on Instagram. You have to do it on Facebook and you have to do it on TikTok, whatever whatever social media account you have, you also have to be active and comment on other people's stuff. So they see your username, they see your responses and they start to respond to you. And it's, I mean, it can be really overwhelming. If I, I could probably spend, you know, 16 hours a day doing this stuff and yeah. still feel like I didn't get enough done. Yeah, absolutely. I think overwhelm is a huge thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it, I think the thing that for me has been really important is, having community to support you knowing other spiritual entrepreneurs that you can bounce things off of because i know you and i do that a lot on facebook mm -hmm. what software are you using for this how do you do that so yeah. and well and you know, the thing is is that i have a really difficult time reaching out to ask for help and it was literally because you said to me shelly listen if you have questions just ask me and i'm like okay <laughs> Yeah, you know, because it's absolutely. always been hard. I spent my whole corporate career being the person that everybody came to. And yes. so now me going, okay, I'm feeling like a helpless puppy. Somebody needs to potty train me. What do I do? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, here we go. Okay. You know, nobody's going to say, okay, you have to eat at eight o'clock and you have to eat at five o'clock. And these are things you have to do in between. There's nobody guiding me. It's just me being, here's the thing. You know, and I explained that to my husband that I think one of the hardest things I've had to learn is, you know, when I walked into my corporate job every day, there was a stack of crap piled and I knew what I had to do that day it just wasn't an option. And right. of course, then there were emergencies and everything else pops up during the day and then there are meetings scheduled, blah, blah, blah. But when you're doing it yourself, you have to figure out what is your priority today? Yes. And, yeah. and, and that priority, depending on what happens during the day may change. Yeah. You know, and on top of all of that, I have to do readings for clients and I have to be able to do spiritual mentoring with clients and do all these sessions and also work on not just my reading portion, but also my online temple and all of that stuff that goes with it. So it's just, it's a lot. And when you have all of this back end stuff that's going on, you tend to forget sometimes the beauty in why you started this. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And there's also, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned that about doing readings in the spiritual work because there's that taking time because you can't just go from accounting to working with a client. You've got to have that right. transition time and you've got to build that in for yourselves. Um, so, and I think that's really important because I never go directly from you know, working on my website or accounting or something to working with a client, I usually build in buffers that I spend making that shift, meditating, getting into a spiritual presence. So what what has been the biggest learning for you in owning a spiritual business and, and run, operating a spiritual business? Uh, the biggest learning. All right, Spirit, help me with this one. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear exactly what it is. I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. Um, so the biggest thing that my biggest hump that I've had to get past with, and you and I have talked about this, is the whole imposter syndrome. That was the biggest, hardest thing for me because, I, you know, I worked in the magazine world for a really long time. So I know how to edit. I know how to write copy. I know how to do that stuff. And I'm really good at it 
for someone else. Right. When it came to looking at me and saying all of these amazing things about myself, it was much harder to do, you know, um, when they posted my show on A1R Psychic Radio, I read, I gave them my bio, but they complete, they didn't completely change it. They put in a bunch of beautiful fluff words and I'm reading all of this going, why can't I talk about myself that way? And a lot of it just comes from, you know, and I believe in what I'm doing, but here's the thing. I also just say, I'm an open channel. Spirit's the one doing all the hard work. All I'm doing is repeating what I hear. That's it. And so I could write all kinds of things about spirit. I could write all kinds of things about everybody else, but I have a very difficult time writing them about myself. So the imposter syndrome has really stopped me from being able to market appropriately, from being able to write things and say things about myself. I have reached out to, I don't know how many different people to say, can you write a bio about me for me? Cause I can't do it. Right. And I finally had to just stop leaving it up to everybody else. And I just kind of sit down and go, all right, spirit, what do you want me to say? And I just allow it to channel and come through. And then I kind of go, but I want to edit this. And then they'll stop me. I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really hard to talk about yourself because it feels like we've always been taught to be humble and to not praise yes. ourselves. And so then we sit down to write a bio and talk about our work. And it's really challenging for many of us. Um, and imposter syndrome is such a thing where we feel like somebody's going to figure out we're a fraud. And we don't really know what we're doing. And yeah, I, I, yeah. That comes I, mean, up I, for I struggled a lot with it so much that I created um, a meditation <laughs> to help you get through imposter syndrome because it was so difficult for me. Oh, that's great. Like, what a wonderful thing that you did that you struggled with something and then you created a tool for other people who struggle with it to overcome it, just as yeah. you've overcome it. That's that's wonderful. What has been most surprising to you about being a spiritual entrepreneur? Um, honestly, what has surprised me the most is I have learned to not freak out about what paycheck is coming through that week, whether or not anybody books, doesn't book. Um, because I've had to just step into, I fully trust that spirit's going to bring me everything that I need when I need it. And so, you know, my income took a, a massive adjustment when I left the corporate world into working for myself because I made a six figure salary then, and I'm not making that right now. doesn't mean that it won't come next year or the year after. So I fully believe in that abundance and I'm open to it. It's going to come. But I also have not stepped into a lack mindset. And that really has shocked me that I don't sit there going, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Oh, my God, what's going to happen? It just is what it is. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm so glad to, to, that you mentioned that because that is a big shift, suddenly not having that mm -hmm. steady paycheck and, and the money kind of coming in spurts and maybe not on a regular schedule. And maybe some some months are really good, some months maybe not as good. And, you know, we all want to get to that consistency where we have that consistent six-figure income in our business, but it takes time. And yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I think sometimes spiritual entrepreneurs tend to not talk about that. They want to make it seem like everything's hunky dory. They're doing great. Mm -hmm. And nobody really talks about it's a big shift in your income. It is, it, and it's a massive shift. Yeah. And, and it's not that you're in lack when you talk about, hey, like, you know, this hasn't quite happened yet. Yeah. And the, the, the most difficult thing that I've had to struggle with, and it's not that I, it's not that I don't want to talk about it publicly. It's just that 
I've not really had an opportunity to, but of course, of course, just like every other spiritual entrepreneur, you sit with, am I going to have clients who are going to want to come to me if this is what I talk about? But I really like to be transparent. I like to be honest. I don't want to hide things. And, you know, I went through um, some a financially stressful time in April and May. And, you know, because April and May, it was very slow. And I talked to a lot of other, you know, solopreneurs who are doing what we do. And it didn't matter what business it was. They were all going really slow. And so I had to sit back and I had to look at my finances and say, okay, what is feasible? What is not feasible? What can I handle? What can I not handle? And it was, you know, cutting things back where I could, but it was sitting down and looking at spirit. And I said, okay, here's a deal. And um, it was, do I keep my car? Do I not? And spirit said, here's the deal. You need to make a choice. And I said, okay, what are my choices? It's, do you want to drive around in that pretty new car that has a nice little screen and all the things, or do you want to serve your clients? You have a choice. And when they put it like that to me, Julian, it was not a choice. That was not a choice. I said, I choose serving my clients every single day. I know that if I go back into the corporate world, I'm putting myself completely out of alignment with my human design, out of alignment with what I'm supposed to be. And I don't know that I would physically survive that again because I hit such a depression working in the corporate world. And so I said, okay, this is it. And I called the bank and I said, hey, guess what? Come get the car, I'm done. And so they came and got the car, it's gone. Sold at auction, finished, we're all good. And, you know, I had a car sitting in my driveway doing absolutely nothing. So I never was without a car. I had one. So I made a difficult, it wasn't even a difficult choice. I made the choice to say, this is not where I want to put my money. This is not what I want to do. And I stepped back and I chose what I do for a living because I would not want to do anything else. I believe in spirit. I believe in what I am doing. And I believe in serving people so much so that I let go of the pretty shiny little car. I love that you're sharing this story because so many people focus on abundance and manifesting, and it's all about manifesting the brand new shiny car and the big house. And it's about consumerism. It's about late stage capitalism, right? We're going to manifest all this stuff, all this material stuff, which really isn't important to our spirituality. And so I love, I really love that you shared this story because we need to change our mindset around that. And around what is enough, you know, what is it? Because enoughness is really where we need to be thinking about and focusing, not on six figures, seven figures, the shiny car, the designer handbags, you know, whatever. It needs to be on what is enough? What is the lifestyle that I want to live? What are the things I want to be able to do with my time, right? And what's enough for me to be able to do that. And I, so I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's an important lesson that a lot of us need to work on. And I'll be honest, I, it's something that I struggle with sometimes is, you know, wanting like the shiny new video camera or, you know, wanting these things. And then at the same time going, I wish my business was making more so that I could do this and this and this. And, you know, well, maybe the answer is that I don't need all the things that I think I need. Yeah. I mean, literally, because I was that I was that way, too. Like, I worked really hard to go get that car. And I I loved it when I got it. And I loved driving it. I loved everything about it. But when Spirit said, do you want to drive in this shiny car? Or do you want to serve your clients? You have a choice. Because the car meant that I had to go back to work for someone else. Not that I'm not working now. I had to go back to work for someone else with a bigger paycheck. And I just said, oh, ew. 
And it just, you know, I felt that so deeply in my stomach. Like I felt like I wanted to just get rid of the contents in my stomach. And I said, that's not it. I am absolutely here for my clients doing what I know is right. So I'm not even like, I'm not even embarrassed to talk about it because normally I would have had shame. My face would turn red and all these things. And I just don't care because I know I made the right decision and I trust in spirit. And as soon as the odd thing was, as soon as I let go of that car, I had more clients sign up for spiritual mentoring for the, you know, the 10 package deal, more stuff started coming through. And I just sat back and went, holy shit. I trusted it came. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still glad Holding that it's on gone. was like a yes. block. Yeah. Yes. It was amazing. So it was probably the 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 easiest and the best decision that I've ever made. I I absolutely do not regret it. And I am just so glad to be walking this path, being able to help people, because then I can also say to them, you know, my spiritual mentoring clients when they're struggling, hey, listen, this is what I had to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're not just telling people something that you're not willing to do yourself, which is uh, back to that authenticity seems to be a theme here today. So um, we've talked a lot about business and even some about money and abundance. Let's talk about the work that you do. How did you how did you come to be a medium or to realize that you are a medium? I love telling this story. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I am not like all these other mediums out there who say, you know, I've known this since I was a child. I saw blah, 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 blah. No, it's not that I didn't have, you know, these big experiences every now and then because I did have them, but nothing would have told me, hey, this is what you're going to do for a living. Um, So my best friend, Trisha, and I started, I want to say seven or eight years, or I can't remember now. And we started out, you know, she started talking to me about aromatherapy because my daughter opened me up to that. And then I became a certified aromatherapist. Then she turned me on to Reiki. Well, my Reiki attunement just kind of like blew my crown chakra wide open and I didn't know it. And um, I'm driving down the road one day here in Ohio, down 75. And I'm in, I had a big SUV at the time with a sun uh, sunroof. And I'm sitting here and I'm driving. And the next thing I know, there's this etheric man who pops into my passenger seat. And I'm just looking at him like, what the hell is happening right now? And so I'm looking at him and I'm trying to drive and not wreck my car. (laughs) And I can hear him talking to me. I can hear what he is saying to me. And he keeps talking to me, keeps showing me like three leaf clovers. And he's talking to me about St. Patrick. And he's talking to me about my girls, my girls. And you know, the ego always pops in and I'm like, don't you mean a four leaf clover? Cause those are much more lucky. And he's like, no, he got kind of mad about that. And he just kept pushing three, three, three. And I said, okay, fine. And then, um, I started getting a pain that ran up my right arm and I'm like, oh my God, you know, women have heart attacks on the right hand side of their body. I'm dying. This is why I'm seeing this man. I'm having a heart attack. And, you know, instead of doing what a normal person would do, which is pull over and call 911, I just hop on the Bluetooth and I call Trisha and I'm like, Trisha. <laughs> and she says, hey, we need to get you calm. So she kept me really calm until I could get home and got parked. And once I got parked, she said, all right, now tell me what happened. So I walked her through the whole thing, everything that the guy was saying. I told her what the guy looked like. I told her about this, you know, heavy Italian accent that was coming through and all of this stuff. And all of a sudden on the other end of the phone, I hear nothing but 
crickets and then I hear her crying and I'm like, wait a minute, this is my emergency. Why are you crying? I'm the one freaking out over here. And she says to me, cause she says, Shelly, that's my dad. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what? So her dad had passed away before we met. So I had no idea. I'd never seen a picture of him because she was one of those super sensitive souls who like cried at the drop of a hat. And so she didn't really talk about her dad that much. And he was born in Italy, which is why he had a very strong Italian accent. He didn't come over here until he was like late, I don't know, like 10-ish. So he had a very strong accent. And, um, you know, she just proceeded to tell me all of the validation for everything that I got. And the pain up my right arm was he had cancer and he would get chemo in his right arm and it would burn going up and he hated it. So he always complained about his right arm burning. And she said to me, you know, in, in this conversation, she says, Shelly, you're a medium. And I went, nope, no, I'm not. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I beg to differ. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not happening. So we finished our conversation. We hung up and I looked up through my sunroof and I said, all right, spirit, because I was aware of spirit at that point. I said, all right, spirit, I will not be a medium. It's not happening. Well, look see. at you now. <laughs> we see who won that battle. <laughs> yeah. So what what brought you to finally make peace with that? With being a medium? Yeah. I, I just I kept seeing stuff everywhere and I needed it to stop. Like I needed to be able to control it. I didn't know how to control it. So my friend Richard said, hey, listen, we know about these two women down in Blue Ash. They teach mediumship, you know, Joanne Franchina and Rose Van Den Enden, and they teach mediumship mastery. Go take their classes, Spirit Speaks 1 and 2, and see if you can get it under control. So I stepped into Spirit Speaks 1 with them. And, you know, in the very first class, we were going on. And, I mean, you've met Rose. Rose is like, yeah. <laughs> she's a hard <laughs> yes. ass, right? Yes. And and love you, Rose, if you're listening to this. But <laughs> she knows it. And I said, well, how do you turn this off? She goes, you just do. <laughs> she taught me how to turn it off because again, I had, you know, while it always happens to me while I'm driving because driving for me is a meditation. So it's a great way for spirit to come and sit next to me in the car. So right. I had another guy who was coming to me and this guy was an older man. He was African-American. He had a blanket over his legs. He was in a wheelchair. And so during our class, she said, the way that you tell them is, listen, if you want them to come for a reading, you go tell them and now you leave me alone. So I learned to be able to tell them, if you want me to talk to your people, you have got to go and tell them to come and sit with me and then I'll find a way. And interestingly enough, he belonged to one of the people who was in the class with me. So, wow. yeah. And she wound up sitting right in front of me. And I was able to give that message. And I'm like, listen, I can't get this man to go away. So if you don't know who this is, it's fine. She goes, nope, I know exactly who it is. And, you know, from there, I took Spirit Speaks 2. And I just went, I have got to do something with this because I've got to get it under control. And once I started taking their two-year program, it was, you know, maybe I can do this as I'm writing software and I'm doing all this other stuff, very, you know, left brain logical stuff. And right. it was really hard to get past my ego because my ego just kept saying, but are you really? Right. And I just kept getting all this validation from these people sitting in front of me. And it was, I mean, it was a powerful shift in my body, a powerful shift in the way that I looked at things. 
And eventually I just sat in meditation and I said, all right, spirit, am I supposed to do this? And they went, oh yeah, yeah, this is your life's work. So you need to quit your job. And I went, oh, whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Which obviously I finally did do, so. Sure, yeah. Well, that's, I, I love that story of your journey. And so I'm glad that you shared that story because you've told me that story before, but it's just so much fun. I was like, okay, listeners need to hear this story. Oh yeah. I love telling that story. <laughs> People are always like, oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I so um, you're also a spiritualist minister and you've started a, a temple. Tell us a little bit about that. So when I was finished with my two-year program, um, Joanne Franchina actually studied at Fellowships of the Spirit, which is up in Lilydale, New York. And um, I knew that I knew that I wanted to be a reverend, and they and I had to go through their program to do it, which was great because then I learned more about mediumship. But I did it because you know we have all of these temples or churches that are in person, but we have a lot of people who don't necessarily believe in Christian religion. They don't believe in organized religion at all. And so I thought spirits like, okay, then you need to open up an online temple where you can do all of your stuff online because you'll have a much bigger reach. You know, they've told me for years, you're not supposed to be local. You are supposed to be global and open. And I, you know, just kind of let that overwhelm me, but then I just step into it and go, okay, I'm going to trust. So I actually opened legally opened temple of the sacred circle through the state of Ohio in 2019 and didn't do anything with it until this year and finally launched the website and everything. So temple of the sacred circle.org is alive and well, and I'm working through all the things to do the 501 C three. And, um, you know, I teach mediumship through it and all the classes, you know, spirit guide 101, being able to learn the foundations of working with your spirit guide and how many different types of spirit guides there are. And you do meditations to meet them and just learning how to do all different kinds of things. And these are all digital classes online that people don't have to attend live because not everybody has a schedule where they can meet me at, you know, 8 p.m. Eastern on a Thursday so they can go and take them on their own without having to subscribe to anything. I love that. I, I love that. I, I, I like teaching online and um, I like having that sort of asynchronous where I can put out courses and people can can learn from me. But I really love teaching in person. Um, it's really sort of my thing, which you're a student of mine right now in I one of my am. programs. Yes, so let's what, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. So you are learning to do Oracle work. So in your words, what does that mean? Um, an oracle, I mean, in my, in, in my words, it's literally where you go into a very deep state of trance and you invite in a deity that you have been working with to sit in your body and share space with them while they push your consciousness off to the side, wherever that may be. And they start to speak through you. And it is probably one of the most powerful experiences I have ever had in my life. So I am so beyond grateful for it. Wonderful. Yeah. So we do a regular ritual as part of this work um, where we have an oracle and people Mm -hmm. can come, the community can come on a donation basis to the Temple of the Rebel Goddess in Dayton and ask questions of 
the Oracle, which has been me up to this point, and now my students are starting to take over doing the Oracle. You've been to the Oracle ritual a number of times, obviously, as a student and even before. What, what's been your experience of that? What surprised you or what, what's been the biggest thing that sort of has you've taken away from those rituals? Um, I think the, the power of them. When I went to them without even being a student, right? This was before the classes ever started. Um, I went and I sat and just the, the power of the ritual itself, because you can come in, you can feel the seriousness of the vibe in the temple, right? Because the door is locked until seven o'clock and you can't get in. And you're like, oh, what is this mystery going on, right? And then as you step in, you've got everybody who's already in their ritual wear. And so you're seeing a lot of people with the masks for the different elements that are going to ward the circle and for all of the beauty that's going on. And you see the altar that's set up and you just feel the, the vibration, the tension, the buzz of the energy in the air. Um, and then you sit down and, you know, you give the explanation for this is how it goes. This is what we're going to do. These are the questions you want, you know, and I try to explain to people, if you're going to come, you come with questions that you want to ask God. Don't come with like silly, stupid questions. You want questions that are meaningful into your heart and that are open-ended, not yes or no, because the deity is going to be like, why are you wasting my time? And right. so being able to sit in this chair and listen to the vibration of people as they sing and as they use their voices and you clear the energy of the room, it is so powerful and I mean, I had signed up before I ever even went to the first one. And then after I went to the first one, I was like, oh, I definitely have to do this because <laughs> you're sitting in just this amazing energy and, you know, the path working is beautiful. And I love that you're allowing us to do some of our own path working so that it's not the same every single month. And it's beautiful how, you know, Salem's path working was fabulous. They did an amazing job. And, you know, your path working was great. So I can't wait to see what all the rest of us come up with as path working. And um, for anybody listening who doesn't know what path working is, it's just a journey. So you're basically in a guided meditation at that point, And you're feeling and visualizing this, you know, walking down this path and going into and recognizing where the Oracle is sitting. And it is so powerful. And you literally can feel. Feel the energy shift, Julian. When you take the high seat, you know when that deity is seated, boom, down into your body because it just shifts the entire energy of the room. It shifts everything. And, you know, we've talked about this even in class. You know, your body movements are different. You speak in a way that you don't normally speak. You know, and we all talk about that when you're like on the other side of the room, because we're like, you know, Jillian's got this really cute giggle that he does all the time. And when you're on the high seat, like that's not even present. <laughs> you don't move the same way. You don't speak the same way. And it depends on which deity is coming in. Like you speak very different as Odin than you did before as the first couple that you did. And so each deity just produces a different result from the person. They produce different types of answers, different responses. And it's just so, it's beyond powerful. And it is really my hope that people in the Dayton area will begin to see 
and not just the Dayton area. This is something that I would willingly drive an hour to come and see to make the donation because you're getting some really powerful answers. You know, I've gotten some really powerful answers from my business. Um, one of the things that I asked the Oracle this month, actually, when we did it in August, um, I asked the Oracle flat out. I said, should I continue doing women's circles? And the response was, you're beyond that. <laughs> You know what you're here to do, and you are here to speak for the spirit. You are here to introduce them to the old gods. They need to understand the old ways. And I mean, that's a pretty damn clear answer on my business and how I need to run it. And so these rituals are so powerful that it just, I don't understand why, you know, we don't get a hundred people who come in because they're so powerful, they can really adjust your life. And it's my hope that by the time we finish in, when's our last one, April or May? May. May, I thought so. So by the time we do our last one, I am hoping that we have between 20 and 30 people because it is that powerful. Even if you come every week, if nothing, every month, if nothing else, to feel the power of that energy, to sit in that energy alone for a donation is fantastic because you walk out feeling energized it's almost like there's um okay thank you very much they're like no it's not almost like you're actually experiencing energy that's helping to heal your body at the same time you're in there so whether wow. you ask a question or not you're feeling this because i mean we know who we, we know who my deity is that i'm still struggling with that i'm going sure. to be channeling and working with um, but the one that I'm going to work with is Jesus. And he's very clear. He goes, when you're in that energy, that's the healing that's coming out. You're feeling that your body is absorbing it and you can choose to believe, yes, I am healing in this energy, or you can sit there and say, it's a bunch of bullshit. It's totally up to you. It's what you believe, right? It's yeah. that thing of what you believe you achieve. And if you believe that you're experiencing this healing and getting this wonderful answer in your business or in your personal life then yes, take it, take that power, pull it into your life, apply it, find affirmations every day that go with that answer. You know, come bring your phones, record the answer as it's coming out. And we've even started telling people that, get your recorder out so when you ask your question, you can record what the Oracle is saying because it's gonna be powerful to remember it afterwards. Yeah. Wow, you really described it probably better than I could. So thank you so <laughs> See, much I for I that. Can, I can promote anybody. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so oracles sometimes can be a little ambiguous. Sometimes they don't always answer the question really directly. Like you got a very direct answer on one question. Have you had one that you felt was ambiguous or you were like, I'm not real sure what this means yet. And did you eventually figure it out? I have not. Mine have always been, up until Odin, mine were what I called the butt smackers. It was like, boom, you should have known better. Here's your answer. And I went, oh, ow, okay, thank you. But <laughs> Odin is Odin is not near as hard, not as, as harsh with me anyway. I mean, I get the answers. Um, I have heard some ambiguous answers that have come out. To me, when that happens, it's because you're not fully ready to hear the truth. So you get enough that will cause you to go research, seek, find, because that's part of this spiritual path, right? They're not going to lay right. everything at your feet. You've got to work. You have yeah. to work. And if you're working your path and you're doing your thing and you're in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing, they're going to give you clear and concise answers. But if you're not working, you're going to get something ambiguous because 
The old gods want you to go work. They want you to find it. They're not going to just hand it to you because what did you learn? Nothing. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't have said that better. It's yeah, they they're not just handing it all to you on a silver platter. There is a certain amount of work there. And it's also about the intention that you ask the question under too. Um, there's definitely intention there. Um, yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to get Jacob on here and talk about his experiences with the Oracle because he's had some some fun ones. Um, so as as a student um, and and starting to learn to do this, um, what has been sort of the most surprising part of that for you for you? Um, I I mean, and I and I told you this early on, right? I knew I was going to be triggered taking the class, which is fine, and I have been. Yeah. I have been very triggered, and it's okay. It's all part of my spiritual healing. Um, the things that have surprised me the most are, I don't like the sound of my voice at all, but I, everybody who tells me who's done my meditations, like, oh, you have a great meditation voice, but I don't like my voice. However, <laughs> you can I tell you a secret about that? I don't like ahead. my voice at every, and I've, <gasps> I've had several people on my queer spirituality podcast. They're like, you have the best podcasting voice, which is really funny. So you do. <laughs> So um, two things have been beyond, like, I can't even compare them to anything else. One is learning the Vard Loker. That, because I am using my voice and it is getting into a sound that is comfortable for me and being able to let my ego go for, is it bothering somebody else? Is it upsetting someone? Does it sound okay? And just really feeling the passion behind the sound that you're pushing out from your diaphragm. Yeah. That has been the first really powerful, shocking thing that's happened to me. Um, the, the second powerful thing that happened to me was, you know, when you're like, here, pick three of your favorite deities that you're going to work with. And I went to like four or five of them and they all said no. And it was, and I was shocked, but it was because I had to work with Jesus. And I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Let's go. The good little pagan girl is going to work with Jesus. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, and then this past Saturday, you know, when we did and you said, okay, you're going to invite them in. I literally felt that man behind me. I felt his strength, his love, his, it's the most unconditional love I have ever felt ever in my life. And I had goosebumps from head to toe and I could feel his arms come up behind mine and just mesh with my body at the same time. And I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but I just stood there and tears just poured and poured and poured. And it wasn't like I was sobbing. I just couldn't stop it. It was just oh. this overwhelming feeling of love and acceptance. And it doesn't matter what you've done. I don't care who you are. You're a perfect soul living a human existence. Let me love you through it. And that was so powerful to me. So powerful to feel his energy that close to my body. Something that, you know, as a kid who had church trauma and thought, you know, I hate Jesus. I hate all this. I don't have anything to do with that. And yeah. for me now to have to work with him this close is a massive shock to me, but it is one that I am so grateful for because he is teaching me so much about what his true message is supposed to be as compared to what's being taught. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's, that's really beautiful. I, it's always surprising how, um, 
people seem to attract different deities or spirits or ascended masters that they work with as an oracle. So that's really interesting. Wonderful. Um, you've done so, so much and you are doing so much in the community. Um, as we sort of wrap this up, what is sort of your parting message that you really would love people to take away? Like what, what's sort of your, your words of wisdom? So I would love to tell you what my idea is, but I have this, this ascended master sitting here, like tapping my shoulder going, Hey, you know what we're going to say? So I am going to hand out Jesus's words of wisdom, which I am slowly becoming more comfortable with saying, because it's going to anybody who is Christian, it's going to trigger you. Anybody who has church trauma, I hope that this is going to help heal you in some way. Um, he is very, very clear in the fact that he did not die for our sins. That is a misnomer that has been twisted by white patriarchy for thousands of years. He died to show us that you can be treated horribly. You can be not believed. You can be, you know, murdered in the most painful way. Your body left for the crows and the birds to come and peck your eyes out. But you leave with forgiveness. It all comes from forgiveness. You know, it's, and it is in the Bible. This is one of the things they didn't get wrong, which is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do forgive people, right? We all have these traumatic backgrounds and we have to learn to begin forgiving the people who have hurt us because if he can do it, so can we. He set the example. It's like, here are these horrible things that have happened to me, but I am forgiving the people who perpetrated these horrible things against me and I'm not mad at them. So you can forgive the mother who talked to you like you were a piece of trash when you were a kid. You can forgive the father who abandoned you. You can forgive the uncle who molested you. You can forgive the priests who did horrible things they shouldn't have done in the name of Jesus, because it was it's all part of what you're supposed to be down here to learn. And forgiveness is the most important thing that you can do. We have to begin forgiving people and accepting them for where they're at. And that means that we accept people, whether they are their assigned birth gender, or if they choose to change their gender, if they are in a same-sex marriage, or if they choose to be non-binary, or if they choose to be whatever they choose to be, we have to love them and accept them for where they are because every soul down here, I don't give a damn what you've done. You deserve to be loved because somehow, some way, something traumatic has happened to you to cause you to do some of the things that you're doing. And if somebody had loved that person along the way, like unconditionally loved them, how much different would the world be right now if we stepped into that and just open embrace and loved and accepted people for where they are rather than judging them? Wow, what a powerful message. Thank you for sharing that because it really is a powerful message. And I actually, uh, one of my upcoming guests is a, a Buddhist minister who has written a book about tackling division by just simply accepting people uh, for their potential, not for what they are right now. And so I, it's really resonated with me that you're almost saying the same thing there. And so just really beautiful message. How do people get in touch with you? How do they follow you? Keep up with what you're doing? Oh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube as Maria Leggett Medium, M-A-R-I-A. 
L-E-G-G-E-T-T medium. And you can also find me at templeofthesacredcircle.org. And we also have a Temple of the Sacred Circle YouTube. Um, and if you want to email me, it's hello at marialeggett.com. And that's how you can find me. Okay, great. We'll include those links in the description below. So thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about all of the things about being a spiritual entrepreneur, being a medium, working with oracles. It's been a fantastic time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast with spiritual life coach Julian Crossenhill. Help others discover this podcast by leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Did this episode speak to you? Is there something you'd like to hear more about? Have a suggestion for a guest you'd like to hear? Send me a message on social media or use the contact page on my website to let me know www.priestofanana.com. That's Priest of Inanna, I-N-A-N-N-A dot com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Priest of Inanna. Thanks for listening.